Hi, this is Amber and welcome to today's podcast. My website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. For those of you who don't know me, I am a teacher and a healer and my work specializes on core wound healing, inner child healing, life purpose sessions, life purpose healing sessions and intuitive readings. Okay, so today... um, I really want to focus on something that's been coming up in sessions quite a lot this year. Um, It feels really topical, but hopefully whenever you listen to this podcast, it'll be topical for where you are in your life. So here we go. Uh, What I hear quite regularly in sessions from a, a lot of my clients is this feeling of isolation, this feeling like it's it's you uh stepping out on a path on a pathway that makes no sense and you you don't have the roadmap for this there's no blueprint and you don't understand why it's so difficult you know why why aren't your usual tricks that you do to get you into alignment working why isn't it happening the way it did last year or 6 months ago or 2 years ago and meanwhile everyone around you seems to be flying high they seem a little bit asleep but they seem to be flying high um, uh, in my journey, in my personal healing journey, but just in life in general, what I've discovered about myself is that I tend to be someone that doesn't follow the crowd. And I sort of tend, and this happens in healings, it happens in intuitive readings that I do, and it's just, just in my life as well. I tend to be about a year or a year and a half to two years ahead of where everyone else is at. And by ahead, I don't mean better. I just mean I'm sort of in another place and then by the time I've gotten used to that place and then moved on a year or two years later, everyone else is caught up and now they're experiencing what I experienced two years previously. So I used to find this when I was growing up uh, in my teens, and my early twenties, for example, with fashion, like I had a real passion for fashion and clothes. And at one point I wanted to be a designer and I loved it. So I always used to put together these quirky little outfits, you know, I'd spend hours kind of working out what I was going to wear the next day. I think that's something that we do in our teens and our twenties. And I'd wear outfits that no one else was wearing at the time. So I always stood out and I didn't wear them to stand out. I just wore them as an expression of who I was. Um, And then uh, a year later, six months later, two years later, I would find that the thing that I was wearing had now become a kind of fashion trend and everyone was wearing it. I wasn't wearing it anymore because I'd moved on. I'd moved on to something else that no one else was wearing. I don't think I set a trend. You know, I don't think that me pottering about wherever I was at university or, you know, somewhere on the streets of whichever city I was in, I don't think I was massively affecting um, the fashion industry. But I kind of feel that I was tapping into a future reality or tapping into a mass consciousness of what was to come or what was to gain momentum in the group consciousness. You know, we're all connected and and all of these ideas, all of all of the stuff that all of the potential that we can live our lives in, that our universe can be, it's all out there. And depending on what we're plugged into and how plugged in we are, we can tap into that knowledge and bring it into our lives. And each of us is going to do that at different stages in our lives. So some of us are going to accelerate to that place very quickly. And it's like we're waiting up for everyone and we're waiting for everyone in our life to catch up with us. Often it feels like we're waiting for society to catch up with us. And for others, they have their own pace or they feel that they're lagging behind or they feel that they're very much part of the collective and everyone's discovering this thing together. And I imagine there must be huge security and joy in that because I've never really known what that's felt like to discover something along with the mass collective. 
normally when huge revelations are made or, you know, when they're the huge kind of discoveries that come out and it's all over the press and everyone's talking about it on social media, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I knew about that. I, I knew about that two years ago. I knew about that five years ago. And it's not with a sense of I know everything. It's just, it sort of sometimes feels quite boring because when I was spouting certain things, no, everyone else thought that I was a nut and that the things that I was saying didn't make any sense. So that's always been my journey. It's it's like I, I sort of zoomed ahead to the finish line and now I'm waiting for a lot of people to catch up. And somewhere on this finish line, there's some other straggling souls like me who also zoomed ahead. And I'm meeting more and more of those straggling souls. And I meet many of those in my client sessions. So what I've come to realize recently in my client sessions and in the webinars that I've been doing, especially the work around Sacred Union and the Beloved, but also the life purpose work, which is a huge passion of mine now, is that some of us are, if you like, way showers. I don't really like um, labels. You know, I think when we start to call ourselves angels or earth angels or light workers or whatever, we're instantly kind of putting ourselves in a box and our box is better than someone else's. You know, we're more elevated because we are light workers we're more elevated than the next person and I, I don't really that doesn't resonate with me that feels a bit fake and false but we are in a time at the moment where everyone is very busy labeling themselves as I am this I am that you know we didn't do it five ten years ago but everyone's loving it right now and labeling themselves so it is a term the way shower is a term it's term in you know mythology it's a term in ancient spirituality and native traditions um, and the way shower is as the word implies someone who shows the way and how I understand the way shower is if you imagine that you're on this land and it's land that's never been populated before or maybe it has but you know thousands millions of years ago and it's just land, right? There's nothing there. There's no buildings. There's no roads. There's nothing. And here you are on this land. And you're having to create the road, the road that's going to take you from where you are now to where you want to be or to the land that you want to be at or the that's going to take you from the island that you are now to the island that it could be, if you like. So here you are on this land and you're going to build this road. And as you build the road, you're also having to walk it. Because it's not like you just build it and then sit back. You have to build it. So you're literally putting a bit of concrete or, you know, a slab down or whatever you imagine in front of you so you can walk the road. Because if you didn't create the road, you wouldn't be able to walk it. So you would be stuck where you are. But see, where you are is so painful. It's isolating and it feels very, uh, it feels scary. So you need to build a road for yourself. There's no blueprint. There's no map. No one's left you an instruction manual. And there's no one around you to say this is how you build this road but you know that somehow if you use your intuition and you connect into you know a higher consciousness you're going to be able to build this road and so this is what you're doing you're putting one slab in front of the other one foot in front of the other you're building this road or you're, you're refining this landscape you're kind of building a city you're building something and as you build it you walk it so you move further down the road now at some point you're going to build something that that has uh, substance to it because if it could hold you, it can hold others. So you've built a road, if you want to imagine it that way. You've built a bridge um, from one bit of land to the next. You know, you, you've you've built a crossing in some way. And this land, this this bridge, this road that you've built is going to hold others. And at some point, the others are going to turn up. They're going to arrive on that bit of land that you found yourself on. But this time, 
there will be a roadmap. This time, there will be a road. There will be a bridge. And although it will be scary and precarious for them because they're in uncharted territory and they're on new land, they won't be completely alone because someone built a road. Someone created a little makeshift map. And that someone was you. You're either going to identify with this story or not, right? You're either going to go, oh my God, she's nuts. I don't know what she's on about. Press stop. Or this is going to resonate for you. And if it resonates for you, then this is probably close to, 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 I guess, if you want to label it life purpose, what you're here to do. You're here to be a way shower. I don't think that means we do anything. I don't think that means we stand on street corners and say, I'm a way shower. I think it just means that what we're often being asked to do in our everyday lives in order to fulfill our potential, in order to feel fulfilled, in order to feel empowered, is what we're often doing is having to do that which has never been done before. And that's why it feels so challenging and hard and sticky and lonely and isolating. And where is my tribe and why do I have no support? Because it's never been done before. On some level, it probably has been done, as in millions of years ago by our ancestors or in another dimension, it's already been created. But it's never been done before on planet Earth. And many of us are having to do that in many, many different ways. So, you know, the first person that speaks up against something and says, no, this is wrong, um, whether it's racism or sexism or sexual abuse or bigotry of any kind, you know, the first person that put their hand up for that and went, this is wrong, you can't do this, and fought an establishment or fought an individual they were probably terrified. There was no roadmap for them. They didn't know what they were doing. They were doing the best that they could, but they laid down a road. They laid down a map for others who were also facing the same situation to then know that they had a way of standing up for themselves. The first person you access is spirituality um, through the elements, through the land, through music, through art, through film, through literature. The first person who wants to write about the the, the, the beauty of the beloved. Uh, the first person who teaches us that we can access a higher consciousness through music. People probably maybe thought they were a bit nuts, but now look at where we're at. They created a roadmap. So I, I kind of see that the, the journey of the way shower can feel like a very isolating, lonely one. It can feel like you're really up against it. And that the real challenge with being a way shower, I think, is that when you find yourself on that new bit of land, the tools that you used on the old bit of land that you've just left, because you had to leave that for your growth, the tools that you used on your old bit of land that helped don't work on this new bit of land. The meditations that you did, the yoga poses that you did, the um, books that you read, whatever, they're not really resonating. And it's, it, it's frustrating. You know, why is it that all the things that I used to be able to do that could fix this bind that I find myself in are not working anymore? And it's because you're having to find a new way. You're having to create a new way. But once you've created it and mastered it, it will be your medicine for the world and it will be what you will be able to use to assist others. And I think that's in all forms. So I understand it very much so through healing. But I also understand it through creativity and that the forms that I've created in healing and creativity I was experimenting with various forms in both of those modalities before those forms became mainstream. 
So let me give examples. Um, for example, I, as some of you, many of you know, I trained, uh, I went to drama school and I trained in acting. And after following like quite the traditional route of Stanislavski and Meisner and stuff like that, you know, all the kind of legends that you're asked to study, at some point in my life, that just wasn't working for me anymore. And I was opening up to spirituality. So uh, at, a, at a point in my career when I got quite disillusioned with the acting industry, I turned to healing and I trained in Reiki and shamanism. And then as I stepped back into the acting world, I tried to bring the two together and it was really hit and miss, but I tried to kind of access character and being on stage and you know, being in front of a camera through my spiritual connection, through breath, through the chakras, through working with um, spirit guides and uh, my power animals and, you know, all of it. I was bringing it all into the mix to see, can this, any of this work if you're actually doing something that feels so removed from the spiritual world, but actually it isn't. And I couldn't find a template for what I was trying to do. I read all the books and there were some great books out there, you know, Chekhov and some great books that had wonderful ideas on technique, but I really couldn't find anything. So I just had my own technique. It wasn't anything I could really teach to anyone. I could teach bits of it and I used to lead classes and using meditation as a way to access um, your center to prepare for character or to go into rehearsals or to go on stage. But I, I couldn't really give it a voice. I couldn't really, um, I couldn't really give it a voice. Uh, so, so I, I, I kept it as my own process. And then around 2010, I had this idea that I wanted to set up a spiritual acting school. And, and I, I really tried to get funding for it. Like I really asked around, but everyone, no one really got it. Like they thought I was a little bit nuts. And I think that's just because the idea was a bit too out there for the time that we were in. So I pitched it for a bit and I tried and I tried it in my own acting classes, which I used to run. And I could see that it was working and that I was onto something. But then life took me in another direction and I became a full-time healer and I left this dream to one side. Fast forward to 2016 and I stumble across a body of work called Lucid Body, which, I mean, maybe it had been running for that same period of time, but actually from reading the book, I think it, I, I think it had started, it had sort of birthed around about the same time I, as I was having these ideas about the spiritual acting school. So that's what I mean, that it's there in the collective consciousness. It's like it's out there in the ether. It's just for us to tap into it and then to manifest it and to make it happen. And I didn't manage to manifest it because I just wasn't at that point in my life where I had the contacts or the financial support or, you know, um, the support even to manifest this. But I discovered this body of work called Lucid Body that was created in America by this um, dancer that then followed a very spiritual path. And it's basically a lot of what I was doing instinctively for about five years, 10 years before I'd ever discovered Lucid Body. Um, and it was about using the chakra centers and your connection to a greater consciousness for creating character. And it blew all the other kind of legends out of the water like Stanislavski and Meisner and just simplified it into something more instinctual and more spiritual based. And these classes run in America and they run in France and Spain and in London. So I remember when I stumbled across this class thinking, oh my God, but I, I was creating this about five, six, seven years ago. I just never got round to creating it. But but there I, I'd already had that idea I'd, and no one understood what I was on about. And now look where we are five, six years later. It's something that's in the mainstream. This book is on bookshelves. The classes are being taught. So am I saying that I created a blueprint for it? No, but I'm saying that what I, 
what I did is that I, I was, I latched onto, I felt I'd called into, I connected to an idea that was out there in the consciousness. And with the students that I worked with, and I did have acting students, um, for those number of years, I did teach them something that no one else was teaching them at the time. So in some ways I did build that road. Um, I just didn't build a motorway. (laughs) I built a little footpath. So, that example is to illustrate that sometimes we can have these ideas that feel really feel insane and they feel scary and it feels like, well, no one really gets what I'm trying to do. And that's probably because the rest of society hasn't caught up with you. But my understanding now is that don't give up on those ideas. Flesh them out and and flesh them out for as long as feels joyful. Like if it doesn't feel joyful to go any further with it because it's starting to feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall, then back off and go off and do something else and plant the seed for something else. Like maybe you're a seed planter. Maybe that's part of your life mission. But if you really believe in this idea, then push it forward, you know, really make it something that, that you will you will manifest and trust that if no one else is getting it right now in a couple of years time they will they'll catch up with you and I think that is the way of the way shower many people are finding this right now in life purpose and the very first life purpose webinar that I uh, did I think it was a couple of weeks ago this is what we discussed on the call you know this feeling of isolation, this feeling of these things that I want to bring into the world, but no one else is doing them. So I don't know how to do them because there isn't a template for this. And my advice for that, when I hear that, when I get asked that question, you know, how do I do it is you have to have the strength and the integrity and the passion and the naivety and the playfulness of a child in all in this kind of wonderful mix that means that you keep pushing forward, you keep doing this thing that is fresh and new and exciting. Now, it might mean that you push it forward to the point where it becomes something, right? It becomes a project, it has money behind it, and off it flies. Or or you might just be planting seeds in people's consciousness just by having that conversation. Or you might do it on a small scale, you might do it with your friends, or you might do it with, you know, those people in your community, but it never goes global. And then five or six years later, it goes global. And you think, oh God, that was my idea a few years ago, but it never, it never took off. But I don't think there's a failure or success. Like, I don't think that's how we measure um, uh, who we are or what our life purpose or our life mission is. It's just about how, how much we honored our integrity and how much we followed through, followed through on the thing that made us really excited, that made, us, made our hearts sing. So way showing is about standing in your truth. You know, way showing is not about following the crowd. Way showing is about daring to speak up when no one else does. And often way showers are those that feel like they never really fitted into society. They feel like they're a bit of an alien. They came from another planet. They came from a star system. And they're here and they're kind of like looking at planet Earth going, yeah, that's interesting, but I have no idea why you do things that way. This is how we could be doing things. Some way showers will find their tribe and just manifest stuff that's off the scale. And other way showers will just silently be chipping away, living amongst community, just dropping seeds of consciousness, kind of going, hey, have you thought about thinking about things in this way? Have you thought about looking at things in this way? Some way showers will be creating works of art or pieces of music that may never really get acknowledged or noticed for years for decades i mean we saw this with our greatest composers our painters our writers our artists they only really get appreciated when they're dead and so society has changed a lot now you know now we kind of 
there is instant fame, you know. And so what we do is someone creates something and we instantly kind of immortalize them. But all that means is that the work that is being created isn't way-showing work. It's very much of the moment. It's tapping into the zeitgeist, as they say. Um, and so it burns out eventually or it just carries on. It never burns out because it carries on sort of mirroring back to society where society is at. But the way-shower is about telling society where they could be. It's about showing society a different way of being. And some of society is going to applaud that and want that and accept that and move towards it. And others will say, that's nuts, and shun it and punish it and ridicule it and, um, you know, witch hunt it and then eventually accept it. And I believe there is a, I mean, on instant media, there's so many quotes that go around, but I believe seeing, I, I believe I saw a quote by Gandhi saying that, I can't even remember it, but I'm probably paraphrasing. But, you know, first people will reject you, then they will shun you, then they will attack you, and then eventually they will accept you. And he was a a way-shower, you know. Muhammad Ali was a way-shower. You know, Yeshua was a way-shower. And all of these people got ridiculed, they got victimized, they got attacked, they got put down, um, because people didn't really understand what they were trying to awaken consciousness to. We do awaken a lot quicker now in our society, but I guess I'm reaching out to those people who feel that when they speak their truth, people don't get it. We know when you say, I've got this great idea, people look at you like, you know, a dog watching a card trick, as I think Bill Hicks once said. You know, I'm, th- those are the people that I'm kind of reaching out to with this podcast. And I'm reaching out to say that that's not necessarily a bad sign. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on the things that you want to manifest. Don't think that what you want to bring into the world isn't worthy or that shouldn't be brought into the world. Take that as a good sign. Take that as a sign that you're on the right track, that actually what you're wanting to manifest is just ahead of time. And it's probably ahead of time by two or three years, maybe longer, who knows. Um, I know with my intuitive readings that I do, um, or even, you know, intuition that I get about people or events or things, you know, sometimes I'm seeing and feeling things way into the future. So I get frustrated. Why is it not happening now? But actually what I'm seeing is sort of two, three years down the line. And also with my healing work, you know, often, although it, it, it always resonates with clients, thankfully, when we do the work, but often it doesn't actually come into its own until six months or a year or two months two years later because that's that's just how I, I I feel that my energetic field is kind of two to five years ahead of my physical body <laughs> um which is quite a kind of a strange experience to have um good but strange so if you are one of those that feels like there's a part of you that's in the future way in the future and then there's a part of you that's in what we want to call now then I want you to know that you're not alone and that you might want to think of yourself as a way shower and you might want to imagine that you're on a new land and you're building a road and you're building the road but having to walk down the road as well and that's why it feels so damn difficult but that what you're doing is creating the space, the safe space, the blueprint, the map, the road, the bridge, whatever you want to call it for the rest of humanity, for the, for the others that shall catch up and that is a beautiful thing to do. In circles, in... Um, indigenous communities and shamanic circles so when I did my shamanic training we sat in circle a lot and um I did a lot of circle work uh for a couple of years actually when I was doing um a lot of the shamanic work as well as a healer in circle everyone has a role I mean you just kind of fall into these roles it's not like you 
you know, you turn up and go, this will be my role. You might want a particular role, but then you sit in circle and you find that that's not your role. There's just a beautiful, wonderful, strange, magical thing that happens in circle. But the roles are always changing. But everyone has a role. So, you know, in circle, there'll be your joker, there'll be the nurturer, there'll be the leader, there'll be the space holder, there'll be the healer, there'll be the antagonist, there'll be the joker, there'll be the person that does the cooking, you know, there'll be all of that. Um, if you want to look at it with with different labels, you know, they'll you'll have someone who tends to the fire, you'll have someone who works in the kitchen, you'll have um, those that go out on the battlefield, you'll have those that forage, um, you'll have those that keep camp tidy, if you like, um, you'll have those that are visioners, and they're, they're the dreamers, they're kind of getting getting in the messages from the spirit world and relaying that to their community. So everyone has a role. Um, and every role is kind of respected and honoured because without each person, the circle is complete um, and the circle would lack something. We all have a role in in the world, in, in society. What happens is that either we're hanging out in quite restrictive circles, so we've had the same friends for years and years and years or we've worked in the same place for years and years and so we get told what our role is or we fall into roles and we never get a chance to explore other ways of being in the world or we feel that our role in society doesn't have a place you know oh I'm always the outspoken one I'm always the outsider but see that is needed in circle I mean there is there is always needed the voice of dissent the voice of the outsider the voice of the one that you know is seeing what everyone else can't see so I think it's important to embrace your role if you feel that you're the one that's 10 steps ahead of people or that you're kind of alone in your quest for things that no one else is is wanting to get any clearer or closer to I think it's important to um to acknowledge that and to say it's okay for me to have this role and as long as we embrace that role then then we're not then we're not feeling isolated that we're not reprimanding ourselves and we're not saying that we're somehow wrong in some way um then we're also not saying that we're above anyone else right because what we don't want to do is say oh I'm a way shower and that means that I'm above everyone else because no one in circle ever says that you know no one in circle goes oh well I'm the one that tends to the fire so I'm above the person that chops the wood or I'm above the person that cooks the meal because without one you wouldn't have the other right and that's why I think it's really important to think of it in terms of circles let's look at a circle so you know you have someone that chops the wood and then you have someone who makes who kind of builds the fire and then you have someone who tends to the fire and then you have someone who cooks a meal now all of these people are equally important if someone didn't chop the wood you wouldn't have wood for the fire and then you wouldn't have fire for a meal if someone didn't tend to the fire you wouldn't have fire for warmth and you wouldn't be able to cook a meal if someone didn't cook a meal you wouldn't have the strength to chop the wood and this, so this is how beautifully inter- interconnected we are. When I did my shamanic training, I'm, you, work, you work in a wheel, so you work in the medicine wheel. And, um, you know, I guess I fell into various roles and circles. Sometimes I was the orator. Sometimes I was the healer. Sometimes I was the wise one. Sometimes I was the joker. And then I came back and I, after I'd done my training, I sort of, I helped facilitate. So I helped hold space. And then I became the wood chopper and I helped out in the kitchen and I tended to the fire sometimes. And some of the roles weren't very glamorous. Like, you know, if I was just kind of clearing up around people in camp, it was a very silent role. It was, it almost felt invisible. You didn't want to be visibly clearing up off to people but you wanted to make sure that camp was always clean for people and um I suddenly realized how beautiful every role was that there was a beauty to be had in being the one that um 
tends to the fire, but there's also beauty to be had in uh, washing up plates, and there's also a beauty to be had in chopping wood, and there's a beauty to be had in um, being the orator, and there's a beauty to be had in being the healer, and you know all of these are very different roles, and you don't want to get locked into one. So perhaps the final thing to say around being a way shower is if you do find that that's who you are and that's your kind of default role is to ask yourself, well, what other roles could you play? Like you could hang up your way shower hat for a bit and say, this is getting rather tiring, but I'm always at the front of the queue having to build something. What if I played another role? Like what if I chose to play another role and what could your other role be? You could be the joker. Um, you could be part of the group. It could be part of the collective. What other role could you play, not only in your life, but in your social group, in your family, in your friendships, in your partnerships, but just in general, when you think of yourself, you know, because I think it takes a shift in perception from saying, I'm always the one who's alone, or I'm, you know, I'm having to do things that no one else does, shifting it to maybe that's something that feels more joyful, or something that feels more empowering, or something that's just completely different. And I think we have the choice to do that. Yeah, so the way shower is a beautiful, beautiful role that that some, many do play. I predominantly seem to attract a lot of way showers um, in my healing practice. And the life purpose program that is now on the website that has been birthed and is out there is absolutely 100% perfect for way showers because it will take you through a 12-week program meeting every two weeks, working with shamanic journeying and ritual and guided meditations and embodiment practices and journaling to really define, refine who you are, what it is that you want to create, how are you going to create this, getting rid of the baggage that might be in the way if you're stepping into your divinity and really aligning with your highest self. There's energy healing on every call and it's there's coaching and intuitive guidance. I mean, it's just jam-packed and so beautiful. And it's a journey that we both go on. You know, I'm holding space for people for 12 weeks and that's a long time. But I do it with joy because I know that at the end of that time, they've come into alignment, into greater knowing, gnosis of who they are and what they're here to do and how they're here to contribute to this planet. And I think once we have that refined, once we say, this is who I am, and this is what I'm here to bring onto the planet, then we are in right relationship with ourselves. And once we are in right relationship with ourselves, we can then be in right relationship with God, Spirit, the universe. And once we're in right relationship with ourselves, God, Spirit, universe, we then fall into right relationship with another. And that affects our friendships, our lovers, all of it, our bosses, all of it. What we tend to do is jump to wanting to be in right relationship with our lovers, with our friendships, with our bosses. But actually, the issue is we're not in right relationship with ourselves. So that's where we always need to go back. And that's why, for me, the Life Purpose Program and the Core Wound Program are two of the most empowering bodies of work that I could offer because they're about getting us in right relationship with ourselves. And when I created the Core Wound Program, no one else out there was offering it. And I still don't know if they are, but there might be variations on it now. But when I created it, it didn't even have a name. It was just something that was addressing a kind of core reason why people weren't in their power. So um, 
I'm very, very proud of the work. I'm very humble that I'm able to offer it. And if it calls to you, then please go to the website, which is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. And check out the Transformation Programs tab. Um, There's a lot of information there. There are podcasts that you can listen to and YouTube clips. But if you have any questions or you'd like to start any of these programs, these courses, these sessions, um, these healings with me, then please drop me an email, amber at sacredspacehealing.org. That's amber at sacredspacehealing.org. Wherever you may be on your journey, I send you so much love and joy and abundance and beauty. And so it is and so it shall.